today, Luke 5, verses 4 through 11. I want to talk to you about a message that I've entitled, Call of a Lifetime. Luke 5, 4 through 11, let me read it to you and then we'll walk through the text here briefly. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night. We caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Here in this passage, as we look at following Jesus' call in our lives, we're going to see three different aspects of that call. First of all, we're going to see faith, then we're going to see recognition, and then we're going to see devotion. So as you follow through this text with me, you're going to look at faith, you're going to look at recognition, then you're going to look at devotion. But as we start off, we've got to set the scene. Anybody here like to fish? A couple of people? Yeah, there's a few of you. All right, what does it look like when we go fishing? Here's what it looks like when I go fishing. I sold my boat before I came up here, so I don't have this boat at the house now, but you know, I, honestly, to tell you the truth, I sold it because I knew it was going to be so cold. I didn't know if I wanted to be on the water that often, and so I still fear the winter time. We'll see if we can make it through all this, but uh, snow twice before November and before Halloween, that's just crazy to me, but I had a boat, and at that boat, I would hook it up to the back of my truck. Now, I've got one of those country boy trucks. It's a four-wheel drive truck. It's got dents all in it. I call the dents character, right? And so you don't try to get the dents out. You just make sure there's a good story behind every one of the dents. And you, you back that, that truck up to the boat and you, you log that, uh, that trailer down on there and you make sure it's tight and you get it connected to the hitch and you tighten it up and you put the lock in and you're getting ready to pull off and you pull off and you back that boat down into the water and you get in that boat and you have to work real hard, right? You turn the key and that motor cranks. You lower that motor down with a button because, you know, we can't reach all the way back to the back to lower the motor down. We've got to have it right here. So we lower the motor down with a button and we put it in reverse and we back out and we go to our nice fishing hole and I get up in this cushioned seat and I've got another motor up front because I'm too lazy just to use the one at the back or a paddle or anything. So you put your foot on the trolling motor up front and it will control the direction and the speed and, and I pull out my rod and I toss it out in there and I reel back. I like to worm fish, and so I actually do a little more work than some because a lot of people, like you see out here at Cedar Lake, they just toss it out there with a little bobber, and it sits there. And, and when the bobber goes under, they know something is messing with it, or at least they hope something's messing with it. And, and you pull, and usually you miss. But every now and then you catch a fish, right? You reel it back in. Is that fishing for you guys? It's not ice fishing or anything crazy like that, but that's what fishing looks like, right? So now, if you've been out fishing all night, how many have been out fishing all night? Okay, if you've been out fishing all night, there's a couple of secrets to fishing all night and doing so successfully, right? Now, for me, here, here's the tip. This is the tip of the day. To catch fish, you have to have Vienna sausage. Anybody know what Vienna sausage is? Come on. Y'all got to know what Vienna sausage is, right? I have no clue what's in it, but I know what it is. You pop the top on the Vienna sausage and you drain the, the junk. I don't know what that slimy stuff is, but fish love it. And you dip it out over the side of the boat and kind of chum the fish. And, and then you eat the Vienna sausage and they only taste good if you're out fishing. 
So don't try to eat them any other time. It's only good if you're on a boat fishing. And so you go out fishing all night and what happens when you're out fishing all night? The next morning, you're tired. Usually you're cranky because you haven't caught enough fish. And there's like this film of just nastiness that just, it's on the way back, I think, in the boat ride. It just like covers you and it catches you. And it's just like a slimy, especially if you caught fish and you, you got that smell on your hands and, and it's just nastiness. And when I, get, when I get back after fishing all night, it's not time to talk. It's not time to do anything but get a shower and go to bed. That's it. There's only two things you want to do. Get a shower, maybe get some more vein of sausages or some good food, and get a shower and go to bed. Now, here we have a passage. And in this passage, you see in chapter 5 that Jesus comes up and he sees two boats. And the fishermen had gone away from them. They were washing their nets. Oh, their nets. Wait a second. That doesn't say trolling motor. That doesn't say Zebco 33. That doesn't say anything of that nature, right? They had been out all night and they had taken these nets and they had thrown these nets and casted them off to the side of the boat. And then they had grabbed these nets and they had pulled these nets all the way back in. And over and over again, they had casted these nets out. They had let the nets go down. They had pulled these nets back in. And so they probably were, were really, really smelly, not from the fish, but because they'd been working all night long. And the word that it uses here in the text is toiled. We have toiled, we have worked, we've worked hard all night long. And so they're sweaty, they're tired, they're, they're nasty. And they bring their nets in the next morning. And when they get them in and these nets, when they've, when they've pulled it through, they've got it caught on a, a stick or they've got it caught on some kind of a stump or some seaweed or something in it. And they've got to get all this stuff out. And if they don't get their nets ready and get them cleaned and get them dried out and get them folded up, they won't be ready to fish the next night. And so they're going to have a problem. So they, They get into land, they get out of their boats, they're getting their necks all mended, they're getting them fixed up, and what happens? Along comes Jesus, and Jesus jumps in the boat, and Jesus jumps in Peter's boat, and he says, push out a little bit. And so he pushes out a little bit, and Jesus begins to teach. Now, I don't know, but maybe Peter felt a little bit like some of you when you come in here to chapel sometime, you go, oh gosh, I'm tired, I don't want to be in here. I want to get to sleep. I want to get something to eat. Maybe Peter felt that way. Then again, it's Jesus that's talking, so maybe he didn't. He's sitting in the boat. He's a captive audience. He can't get away. Jesus is there in the boat. He's teaching. And then he says to him, after he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets. Now, here's a couple of points here, just just for curiosity. Just me. He preaches, he speaks, he teaches, And then after he finishes speaking, there's a call to action. That's the way it should be, is after we look at the scripture, after we see what the scripture says, there should be a call to action or some life application, something that we should do. How do we take this passage? How do we apply this passage to our lives? What do we do? And so here Jesus is teaching, and then after he's finished teaching, he looks at Simon and he says to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So here, this takes faith. Think about what's happening now. Peter, a professional fisherman, has a carpenter in the boat with him. And this carpenter has been preaching. Now, he's already done some things that Peter's seen with his mother-in-law and all. So he's, he's looking at that and he's going, okay, Jesus, this is you, but you don't understand, Jesus. 
You ever been there? Peter's sitting there saying, Jesus, you don't understand me. I'm a professional fisherman. This is what I know. I know about this. And we fish at night for a reason because at night the fish come into the shallow parts when it's cooler. And when they come into the shallow parts, we can throw our nets out and we catch fish easier. Jesus, there's a reason we don't fish in the middle of the day. There's a reason we don't fish once the sun comes up and it gets high because these fish go down into the deeper waters, into the cooler part, and it's harder to catch them. You're just a carpenter. You don't understand these things, Jesus. We've been out here all night and we've been working and we've been toiling and we've been doing all this and we have caught absolutely nothing. Jesus, there's a bunch of people out there on the land. If I drop down my nets in the deep right now and I don't catch anything, I'm a fisherman. This is going to hurt my reputation. I'm going to look dumb. I'm going to be embarrassed. Jesus, what are you asking me to do? What is he asking him to do? He's asking him to have faith. He's asking him to step out and do something that may not be perfectly logical and to step out and do something that may cost him a little bit. It may cost him some time because he's got to launch the nets out. It may cost him some time cleaning up the nets and getting them folded back up and put up. It may cost him time as he does this. It might cost him a little bit in his reputation. He might be a little embarrassed if nothing happens. There's a little bit of risk on the line here that he's asking him to put out. And so here when Peter responds to him and he says in verse five, master, we told all night and caught nothing. But then there's that glorious word that we see throughout scripture so much. But at your word, at Jesus's word, at what he has told us, I will let down the nets. And so he obeyed. He had his doubts. He had his question marks. He was worried. He was wondering, Jesus, don't you know, we've been out here all night. We haven't caught anything, but at your word, we will respond in faith and take a chance and we'll put something on the line. That's what we got to do too. Every day for the rest of your life, there are going to be opportunities where the spirit says to you, I want you to share the gospel with that person. But Jesus, you don't understand. I don't have all the answers. Jesus, you don't understand. What if they say no? I could be embarrassed. Jesus, you don't understand. Jesus calls you and says, I want you to go overseas. I want you to take your engineering skills or your nursing skills or your pharmacy skills and I want you to take them into a third world country and I want you to be a pharmacist who ministers to the untouchables so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can spread throughout India. Jesus, what if it doesn't work? Jesus, I just don't know. Look at what happens here. It says when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish So much so that their nets were breaking. Now, I'm going to be honest with you and say I've prayed this prayer a couple of times when I've been in the boat, but it's never happened yet. So I'm just, I'm not, there's no prosperity theology here, all right? It doesn't mean that when you get in the boat, you can pray and Jesus is going to fill your boat so that it begins to sink either. I get to the point where I just pray for one. I mean, you know, if it's a bad day, just Jesus, one fish. That's all I want. Just give me one. I'll go home. We'll call it a day. I'll, I'll have my quiet time and I'll tell somebody about Jesus, okay? Just one. That doesn't work either, all right? And so it's not making deals with God here. But here God shows up and he says, I'm gonna show you that even though I'm a carpenter by trade, I am the son of God. And as the son of God, I know where all the fish are gonna be all the time. And you know it's the same for us too, right? He knows who needs to hear the gospel and who's wanting to hear a word for God and who's waiting to hear a word from God. And so when the Spirit prompts 
prompts us to share the gospel, there's a reason that God wants that gospel to be shared. When he prompts us that he wants us to serve him in a certain way, there's a reason he wants us to do that. It's because he's the one at work and all we're doing is saying we're willing to participate in your work and what you're doing so that we can be part of that for your glory and not for our own. And here the nets begin to fill and they begin to break. And so what do they do? They start telling people, come on, they signal to their partners, come on. And both boats then begin to be filled to the point that they begin to sing. I'm not selfish. I would just take two live wells full sometimes. I mean, it doesn't have to be both boats. And, and here it says, what happened? Think about it now. Jesus asked him to do something that's completely illogical. It doesn't make sense by worldly standards. Peter says, you know what? This makes no sense, but at your word, I'm gonna do it. And Jesus shows up in a miraculous way. All of these fish, both boats sinking, huge payday. What happens? How would you respond? There's part of me that probably go, cha-ching, your money, right? And there's part of us that might wanna say, Well, I look good in front of this crowd, don't I? Look at him. Nobody else fishes in the day, but I'm that professional fisherman. I know exactly how to do this thing, right? Don't I look good? How's Peter respond? He steps out on faith. God shows up. He doesn't get prideful. He doesn't get arrogant. What you see him do next is he says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. And so first we see him fall down. Then we see him recognize his own sinfulness when he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. We see him change from talking to him about master to now calling him Lord. Now, is this Peter's salvation experience? I don't think so. You you see Peter later on in there asking, Jesus is asking Peter, who do people say that I am? And he says, you're the son of the living God. I think that's probably the profession that we see. I don't know that we see a full-blown salvation experience here, but what we do see is that Jesus called Peter to do something. He stepped out on faith. And when he stepped out on faith, then Peter recognized who he was and who God was. He had that dual recognition there where all of a sudden this great miracle occurs and Peter's a fisherman. He's been at this a long time. He knows it's not supposed to happen. And so then the response is he falls down on his knees, right there at Jesus' knees. Jesus probably sitting while he was teaching. Peter throwing out the nets. The whole time he's pulling that net back in, he's probably saying, this ain't gonna work, Jesus. This is a bad idea, Jesus. And then he feels that resistance. And then he begins to tug. And he begins to lift and he begins to see the water splashing and he calls to his friends, hey, come help us. And they get the boat out and they begin to fill those boats and the fish don't stop and the fish keep coming. And his reaction when it happens is to turn and look at Jesus. And then he falls down on his knees right before him. And he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Oh Lord, that's where we need to be. You know, if God shows up at Cedarville, We're not going to be prideful or boastful or arrogant about it at all. We're going to be on our knees before a holy and righteous God saying, God, depart from me for I am a wicked, sinful human being. Are you there? Has there ever been that time in your life when God has just revealed himself to you in such a way that you knew your own sinfulness and you just fell down and in your heart you were broken and you were crying and you had tears because you knew that you were a sinful human being and that it was your sin that had helped to place Jesus on the cross and that at that point he had died for your sin and you realized that he was God and that we are not and that in our sinfulness we had violated that relationship with our creator and that there we were falling down on our knees sinful before holy and righteous. God. Have you been there? That is salvation. 
Recognition of who we are, recognition of who he is. I have a dog. I have two dogs. Anybody have a dog? Do we have a dog in here today? Sometimes we have dogs in here. Where? Where's is the dog in here? No? Okay. Every now and then we have them in here. It may be in here. I don't know. I have a dog that likes to eat everything. That dog's name is Shadow, all right? It's a black lab. You see me walking around campus with a black lab. That's the dog. This dog will eat anything. So I visit a church and they give us this wonderful looking bread package. And so I've got this bread and I set this bread up on the counter because the counter's high and I think it's gonna be safe on the counter. And so while it's sitting on the counter, we leave and we go out and we do some other things and I come back and there's a wrapper in the floor and that's it. Now this counter was high. My dog's talented when it comes to food. There are no other tricks, but when it comes to food, that dog can get up on the counter unwrap, I'm sure it doesn't look like this, but unwrap the bread, (laughs) eat the bread, leave the wrapper, and then go run off. But now when I got home, what do you think happens? Just see the dog knows it's not supposed to be eating my bread, right? And so I walk home and I look in the floor and I see the wrapper and I see the bread's gone and immediately I know what's happened. It's not the bread Nazis or the bread ghost or the bread anything coming in and stealing everything. It's the dog, right? And so I, I immediately put my hands on my hips and I go, shadow. So what does my dog do? Well, my dog's sitting over here. Does my dog prance around and look at me and go, I'm smarter than you? Does the dog look and prance around and look back at me and go, I don't believe you exist? No. Does the dog prance around and look back at me and say, You can't do anything about it. I know what's best for me better than I know. You know what's best for me. And and here I am. See what you can do. Is that what my dog does? No, because that would be really dumb because then my dog wouldn't be my dog, right? Here's what my dog does. I do the shadow thing, right? And it's a stern voice, but it's trying to let her know this is wrong. Shadow, and I'm mad. She ate my bread. That's good bread. Now, I like bread. I like to eat. And so here's the dog. And you know what the dog does? It does what every dog does in this position, at least the smart ones, is it gets down on all fours and it does the doggy creep. You've seen it happen where they move two legs at one time and it's like an Egyptian walking or something. And then all of a sudden they get up to you and they turn and they look up at you with these little doggy eyes and, and ask their, what do you do when that happens? Do you fuss at the dog? No, you're not that heartless. Nobody's that heartless. You look down at the dog and you go, oh, it's okay. It's just bread. <laughs> right. You with me? Everybody with me. That's what you do, right? I know we got one with us, but everybody else, you with us, right? All right. Everybody with us? Yeah. Now, here, here's my point to you is this. How many times do we in our own life have sin so built up and so much into our life that we look back at God and go, God, I know what's best. I got it. God, I don't believe you're there. God, do you really exist? Is your word really true? God, I got this handled. I know what's best for me. When all we really do is need to do exactly what Peter did and we fall down on our knees and we look up at a holy God who loves us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we say to God, God, I am a sinful man. I blew it. Forgive me. Why is it that sometimes my dog's smarter than I am? That's what we got to do. You want to follow Jesus? You step out on faith. You want to follow Jesus? You recognize that we are sinful human beings and that he is God. You want to follow Jesus just quickly? Look at what it says next. 
says in verse nine, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, whose partners were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Would you be afraid? I'd be afraid. If I knew I was sitting in front of a guy that knew everything and he knew where the fish were gonna be, if he knows where the fish was gonna be, he knew where I was last night and the night before and the week before and the thoughts I had and the words I said and the words I didn't say, he would know everything. Wouldn't that make you afraid if you're sitting in front of somebody that knows all the bad things you have ever done and Jesus looks at him and he says, don't be afraid. He says, fear not, no fear. Because I'm gonna make you fishers of men. I'm gonna make you where now on you will catch men. And so when they came, they brought their boats to land and they took all their fish to the market and they made a fortune. They brought their boats to land and they decided, all right, God, I'll give you one day a week. They brought their boats to land and they decided, God, I'll give you a few days a week. It says they brought their boats to land and they forsook everything. They left all, they were completely devoted to Jesus. You wanna know what it takes to follow Jesus? It takes faith, it takes recognition, and it takes devotion. You wanna follow Jesus? Jesus may not call you to give it all up, but you have to be willing to give it all up. Jesus may call you to give something up you don't wanna give up, and you have to be willing to give it up in order to follow Jesus. It says when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. I'm here to tell you today, don't be afraid, because Jesus is God and he is worth it. I'm here to tell you today, it's not about monetary possessions. It's not about entertainment. It's not about what you can gain because here they had all these possessions they had just gained. The greatest catch of Simon Peter Fisherman Incorporated one day history. This was an entrepreneurship about to start. And instead of taking all of that, he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, I am satisfied in you. I will leave it all and follow you. Now, I don't think he fully understood it because later on Jesus is talking to Peter and Matthew and he looks at him and Peter says, Jesus, we left all to follow you. What shall we get as a reward? I don't think he fully grasped it yet. But this is what we have to grasp is that we have to be willing to give it all up to follow Christ. He forsook all to follow him. You guys know what a gourd is? My closing illustration, I'm done. Anybody know what a gourd is? Anybody have a gourd in here? You have a gourd? All right, we have a gourd. How about that? It's amazing. I don't know how that happened. We just, we have a gourd. You see a gourd? Can you see it? This is a gourd. It's got a skinny neck, opens up into a wider base. Isn't it beautiful? Not really, right? Okay, I'm gonna set the gourd right there so I can stop playing with the gourd. I was watching a TV show. Anybody in here like, like animal shows, like Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, and all this? I love those things. So I watch all these documents. I'll be reading and doing other stuff and writing and working on. I've got it going on in the background. And as I had it going on in the background a couple of years ago, there was this one little segment that really caught my attention. It was about South American monkeys and how some of these trappers were using unique techniques to catch South American monkeys. And they would take a gourd and they would cut the top off of the gourd. And then they would secure the gourd to a tree. And then inside this gourd, they would put those worthless trinkets of glass like we put in the decorative bowls on top of the tables that have like the red and they look like rubies, but they're really just glass. And they would put this down inside as it was secured to the tree. And then monkeys would come along and they would look inside the gourd and they'd shake it and they could hear it. And so then those monkeys would take their hand and they would stick their hand through that long, narrow base and they would reach down and they could feel it. Oh, it was pretty. Oh, it felt so polished and so nice. I can touch it. I can see it. I can touch it. 
And then along would come these trappers and the monkeys would see the trappers coming and they would go to leave, but they couldn't leave because they had their hand clenched around these worthless trinkets and they couldn't pull their hand out of the gourd. And these trappers would grab these monkeys and take them and hold them captive. They'd lose their freedom because they couldn't let go of worthless trinkets. And as I was watching that and as I was reading, I got to thinking, isn't that just like us? We go into this world, and this world is temporary. And we look at this world, and we go, look how pretty it is. It's beautiful. And we look at the pleasures that it provides us, and we can touch it, and it tastes good, and it feels good, and we grab a hold with our hand, and we've got our hand in the devil's gourd, and Jesus calls and says, I want you to do something for me. I want you to serve. I want you to follow. And we begin to go, and we want to follow Jesus, but we won't let go of whatever it is in our hand so that we can follow Jesus, and we're trapped and locked up in the devil's world with our hand wrapped around it and it's nothing but worthless trinkets that don't last for all eternity what is it that's in your hand this morning what is it that you're holding on to that when God says go do something amazing for me don't waste your life change the world for me you're holding on to it and you won't let go and you're not willing to say I will give up the worthless trinkets so that I can follow the amazing savior who is worth it all What is it that you're holding on to? My challenge for you today, my application for you today, is whatever it is that you've got in that hand, let go of it. It's not nearly as precious as the Savior who died on the cross for your sin. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray that you would help us to find our pleasure only in you, Help us to find satisfaction in you. Lord, help us to follow you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and to love others as ourselves. God, help us to let go of whatever trinket it is that we're holding on to. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.